0: Hi, you're listening to the Modern Club Management Podcast with me, your host, Ed Chapman. This podcast takes the lived experiences and knowledge of some of the leading figures and thinkers from the world of club management and beyond, all so that they can become your teacher and elevate your performance. Whether you're looking to start a career in club management, are a seasoned club manager at a world-leading club, or work elsewhere within this wonderful industry, there will be powerful messages and key takeaways that can help you in your career or personal life. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Modern Club Management Podcast with me, your host, Ed Chapman. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Monique Landman, chief empathy officer and co-founder of Unchain. After a successful corporate career in strategy and communications, Monique found her heart eight years ago and a new calling in life to bring empathetic leadership to the world so that people can lead with more humanity. It has never been more important than now to have empathy and compassion as a leader. With the anxiety of COVID, burnout among employees, And a loneliness epidemic in many countries, now is the time to stand up as a leader and face these tough challenges with compassion and an understanding of how to do so. And that is what you can find out about in today's conversation. Monique, welcome to the Modern Club Management podcast. It's great to have you here. How are you today?
1: Oh, thank you, Ed, for having me. Yeah, I'm very well still inspired after a wonderful session yesterday with all the staff at a club so that always makes my heart happy.
0: Fantastic so first of all I'd love to hear you talk a bit about kind of what does Heart in the Boardroom mean to you and how did you get on this journey?
1: Yeah Heart in the Boardroom is always thought-provoking and um, it literally means that it is my purpose to unchain humanity in business, um, not to, we still a business, but to have a human side of things and to relook at how we strategize and how we take businesses forward. And that is always about the humans because the suppliers are human, the employees are human, the leaders, the golfers, the players, the stakeholders, everyone through the business every day is human. So it's time to relook at how well we do on the human side of things.
0: And what's your background? How did you get into, into this?
1: Yeah, well, I um, I have a background in communication and in, in strategy. Actually, I was a, a consultant and I did a lot of leadership events uh, and then got into I really saw how managers and leaders on those events. Um, actually, that didn't change anything. It was nice and very transactional. They came in for a day and they left the same day and they were inspired for a day, but nothing would change. And so I relooked at how leadership development could actually be and make it really transformational. And then it, I found my purpose and my vocation, actually, that I saw if you really want to transform people's behaviors and specifically their leadership that something needs to be shifted intrinsically so we need to touch on a heart level in order to wanting to change and that's how i got into leadership development
0: was there a specific moment that you can picture that was pivotal when you really kind of had the aha of this is what was missing
1: Yeah, I think um, there are a few defining moments in the career. First of all, it was finding my own heart. <laughs> um, I hadn't I worked from my head all the time, and I thought I was being very empathetic, but that was just a trick from the mind. Um, but when I really came into touch with how things and messy and perfectly imperfect we were. And I saw and embraced my own messiness. I thought, oh, this is who I am. And I don't have to embarrass about it. And um, that is also what I wanted for others to not beat themselves up all the time for thinking I'm not uh, good enough or inadequate or whatever. That was, first of all, it's my own transformation. And I often say it's like a surgeon implanted a heart, (laughs) uh, opened my ribcage, implanted a heart about eight years ago and then closed it up and everything changed from that but also i observe a lot so every detail nothing comes unexposed to me and i actually studied people's behavior and especially working in corporates and in spending a lot of time in boardrooms as a consultant i saw all these guards. and then um in south africa my first clients and then and I was working and I thought, wow, this is what it really means to touch people's hearts. In my leadership days, I zoom in quite into an intimate level with leaders. And the change, once you've seen yourself, you have to allow yourself a bit of that uncomfortable self.
0: Yeah. That being okay with with being uncomfortable yeah I think that's something which a lot of people can can struggle with um, I think myself meditation certainly helped with with that um, of being able to be more just curious when those feelings come up but it's yeah I think that's something we, we all struggle with especially probably as we get higher up and more successful we get probably less okay with feeling un- uncomfortable because um, we feel like maybe we should have the answers I think that- that can be something people can maybe struggle with,
1: and I think the the more successful we get, the more we get our imposter syndrome, because uh, every step we made on the social ladder comes with new expectations on ourselves. But Ed, I love the thing that you said about curiosity. I think that is the kindest of thing you can do for yourself. Just sit in whatever anxiety just calmly sit with stresses or scares you the most with such kind curiosity um and that's not beating ourselves up but that's just looking into ourselves and maybe even have a smile like, "Oh my word, I'm doing this again. oh my word, this is this is definitely my messy part, or um this triggers things off in us. And I, every presentation I have is a slide that says, um, the definition of another person is someone who triggers things off in us. Mm. We get it all the time. Everyone pushes some kind of button in in another person.
0: um, Within my meditation, there's a few which specifically look at kind of negative um, or tough emotions. And the kind of four phases they use is, is internal talk of, let's pick anger, like I am angry, to then move that to I feel anger, to move that to I'm aware of feeling anger, to then finally move that to welcome anger. And you can only really get there with that curiosity of, Oh, what am I feeling? Oh, I'm feeling anger. Why am I feeling that? What what's the kind of trick as you say the trigger to that? Whether it's anger, frustration, sadness, anxiety, it's yeah, take having that self-awareness of what you're feeling and, and as you said, the curiosity to embrace it is yeah, kind to yourself doing that.
1: No, and and the moment we become intimate to our own inner world, um, it helps us in boardroom settings, in tough conversations, as any kind of business leader, confrontation and conflict is a huge part of our days. And being able to de-escalate other people's emotions, for instance, in conflict, what it does, if we are aware of our triggers, we are more able to manage our thoughts instead that they control us. So in order to be a secure base for other people that they feel comfortable to share their um, level of upsetness or their fears or their anxieties with you, you have to be able to almost um, regulate and control your own emotions and being fully able there for other, one, other person to, to sit with their uncomfortableness. And it's it's such a powerful tool when we know the pause between the reaction that we all experience, for instance, with a trigger, and then knowing like, oh no, no, this is my dad on my shoulder. This is my dad shouting at me, or this is this is the kid that uh, was bullied at eight years old. Oh, now he pushes my button. Welcome, but um, thank you for warning me. But I'm okay. And sometimes it ta- you need in two seconds to be able to repossess your control. And then you'll be able to focus on other people's motivation. And that's where you really become an effective leader to fully set aside or be comfortable with your own things. It doesn't overwhelm you. It doesn't take you hostage, um, but you're free and empowered to control what's ever coming towards you.
0: I suppose there, there's almost a need to revisit your own life to try and figure out what's some pivotal moments or times that have happened that then you can recognize okay when this thing happens now and I feel this emotion actually it's because of this unresolved or unopened thing from the past um Probably an example for myself was I was actually homeschooled until I was 10 or 11, which had a lot of benefits to it. But all the kids in my neighbourhood would essentially try and trick me. They'd like to, to try and show I was stupid because they couldn't understand being homeschooled. And I think one thing I've learned from that when I did kind of look back into that a few years ago was that's led me to having to always be right And show that I'm right and be just never get anything wrong and kind of once I realized oh the reason I do that was probably because of this that certainly allowed me to let go of and deal with uncertainty a lot better of it's okay to be wrong I'm going to make mistakes but it was kind of quite a I found quite a relief um to to figure out that's where that had come from.
1: Wow and thank you for for sharing that I I literally feel that when you were starting to tell the story, I could instantly tap into that, but also where automatically, almost organically wanting and needing to prove yourself, uh, that become a habitual pattern. And, um, And it brought you this far. So it's also that looking into that with curiosity, but also with kindness, it brought you a long way because you coped with it so well until you're at a stage in your career and you're already successful and you've done all the work and then it's time to let go and that's where in my opinion liberation comes and i think when you asked me before what is your defining moment or pivotal moment i think that was for me the same finding out that i didn't have to be addicted to perfectionism that i was actually the opposite and maybe i didn't mistake didn't make mistake in my work but i was not the best person i was certainly not kind to myself and it was driven by fear the fear of being abandoned or the fear of being rejected and the more we zoom into your story my story everybody if if i had a two days all the leaders in one room. If we have all these different situations next to each other, and we zoom into each other's stories, we find each other below the surface, and that's where we all, on a universal base, connect. And in those leadership days, where we honestly and with so much curiosity, non-judgmental, tell our stories, and I, I do this exercise with them, which is. Highly, it's very intimate, it's very vulnerable, and they have to present it. So at first, they have to do their own sort of research. I have a, a few very fundamental questions, and then they sit and they do the homework and then they present it to the others. And there is often emotion involved, but suddenly they see how it was all connected, and suddenly they are aware of their leadership style and of their habitual patterns or how they manage under stress. And that when they're challenged, that it often had to do with when they're triggered. And nine out of 10, the delegates and I do these sessions like almost on a weekly basis. I call them the like (laughs) we really go into sort of offsite. but at once you see that somebody for the first time realizes that this is who they are at this stage of their career, they leave after two days, or even if I do it in one day, they leave with so like weight lifted off their shoulders, um, kind to themselves, um, courageous because they shared openly, but most of all liberated. And they all changed so much in their leadership style afterwards to be able to also showing up in their teams, um, more vulnerable, more courageous, but not being taken hostage by things that they didn't control, but now they're more able to control themselves.
0: It's something we don't really, there's no training on it when you through your life generally is there? it's when you're going through leadership training or management training it, it's hardly anything on this side of of it sadly because I think one of the biggest challenges from going from the high performer within a team to then a leader is you're you're going from yourself and your performance and hitting targets to suddenly then having to empower everybody else and get them to achieve and that to me is probably what I think is the hardest part about when you first step into leadership roles is because what got you there is no longer the skills that you need once you're there but that seems very often to be overlooked in the training
1: I think that um, when people often ask me so what do you focus on? And I honestly say it's more about the being than about the doing. Uh, at a certain stage in your career, you need to learn all the membership or the leadership uh, uh, rules and you need to, uh, and especially when you're when you're young in your career, uh, you're driven by getting results, maybe the hard way or maybe the direct way, but the older you get, the more you'll see that how you really want to ignite people's hearts, to have your team wanting to work for you, wanting to have the change or be able to do better. That is where you step in as a leader about being, and we all have our stories, our backgrounds, and at some stage in our lives, our stories, um, are they're very real but they're no longer true. So if we have this this driven by fear or driven by insecurity or, or all the basic human needs, like this need to achieve and prove the world that you're actually pretty awesome in what you do. If you have that ability to realize that, then it becomes more about being, you have the knowledge, but leadership is not quoting Simon Sinek a lot of people think they're experts in leadership because they quote and they use the words but that is knowing leadership and my work is more about being in the leadership and it's it's something that i can only honestly say and share from my own experiences that once you embrace your perfectly imperfect messiness and I always talk about messy with such a fondness. But what happens organically, if you have this kinship for yourself, you have more compassion for others. It always translates into kinship for others. And then sitting with your team or people in your work or maybe your friends or, but everyone you meet who goes through things, sharing in humanity sitting in the dark sometimes with somebody who feels stuck and overwhelmed and you know that you and them are actually sharing um in humanity and that's beautiful because in conflict in leading it's all about bonding and connecting and the moment we connect on a heart level with any kind of person, doesn't matter if it's in ranking, in any kind of of position in in the club industry or in life, the moment you're able to connect at that level, that's where you really are invited to impact change and to drive change and to create a culture of safety where people can say, hey Ed, I'm struggling. Um, It's not my, Last week, I'm overwhelmed and I'm so scared because you asked me this task to do. But to be honest, I don't know because I've never done it. And please help me. And then people, the moment your staff, your employees, the, the managers that you lead, but even be able to navigate your stakeholder field, which we all know in club industry is not the easiest. It's a minefield sometimes where you step and where you don't step. But the more you are uh, managing your own inner life, the more you're able to impact others. And it's magical. I've seen it. I live it almost every day. And if I am closed or I'm stressed or overwhelmed, I cannot give my best work. Uh, But if I'm open and I'm courageous and vulnerable, that's where I touch people's hearts and then they they take your advice they want to follow you and then they learn
0: I really like that the idea of creating that safe environment I think is something which is so important where people can come and speak to you and, and they can be open and honest with with how they're feeling uh, last week we were on a well, I was on a CME webinar that, that you were running and one of the managers at the end mentioned about whether we actually have the skills when it comes to these tough vulnerable situations where people maybe aren't feeling great and that's something I really like to talk about the whole kind of just just turning up and just being there for people because I think as managers we tend to feel the need to have to fix stuff and things like this we can't we're not skilled to fix but that's not that's not an it's you know it's not a reason not to be there and and not to be okay again sitting with the uncomfortable situation and and asking so I'd love to hear your thoughts on and kind of that that conversation of someone when you see that they're again comes back to emotional intelligence of being able to recognize when someone's maybe having a hard time and 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 how to approach them so how, how would you recommend I know there's more than one way and for each situation might be slightly different but general way of approaching that
1: yeah i um i honestly loved the question last week and it also i also thought a lot about afterwards like um what does it really tap into and to be honest ed i think what it taps into is that we as human beings we are so uncomfortable with other people's emotions and we're so uncomfortable with our own. So the moment somebody says, hey, um, I'm, I'm not feeling well, I'm out of balance, uh, I struggle, what we instantly do as human beings, and that's like an empathy, empathy miss, is we try to fix it. So instantly, we as soon as we hear that, we come up with solutions Um, And we give unsolicited advice because there's only one thing that we want to do is to get rid of it as soon as possible. But it's not about us. It was about the other person. Fundamentally, when somebody comes to you, even not able to share it, but you can see their struggle, it's not our job to fix. It's only our job to say, hey, I can see clearly stress i'm sorry you're going through a rough patch but you're not alone and i'm here to listen and that is the biggest bravest thing you can do for any kind any other human being is to just gently sit with it and um it's almost like sharing the darkness Um, don't have to switch on the light just sit in the darkness and I love the work of Brene Brown. She has a beautiful video about this. Actually, somebody sits in the dark and somebody climbs the ladder down and says, hey, I can see you're stuck and overwhelmed, but you're not alone. Let me sit here with you in the dark. And once I saw that video, I think it was already five, six years old. I This is how I try to explain empathy. And because we are so we humans are not skilled to deal with other people. Nobody teaches us in school what it is to be sad when you're not invited to your, to your birthday party. Nobody teaches us in life as part of growing up how to deal with frustration or pain or anger. So as humans, what we do is we avoid it, we numb it, we figure it out, we fool ourselves. Oh, I'm leaving the job because it's so hard. And you think if you leave the job, your problems are gone. Or if we drink the six pack of beer, then we forget. Yes, we forget for a few hours, but the next morning our problem is double because now you've got N hangover and your problem is still there. So it is our our fundamental messy part of being human, how difficult it is to deal with other people because the moment they tell you their struggle it connects you to your own. And I think that as a manager, you you don't have to be skilled to do this. You only have to want to understand the other people or to understand just to it's um, one of the Buddhist teachers that I follow. It's they say the tender readiness of the heart. Oh, I love I love that sentence because it is it is like wanting to be there for somebody else and not fixing it. Does it make sense?
0: Mm, it does. It does. Um, so a couple of friends of mine, they were mental health nurses um, in their working career and kind of how they handle stuff. I think is really well and really powerful in, in how they face things. So, Earlier this year, I unexpectedly lost a friend. And how they approached it was they just said, I'm really sorry for your loss. It must be very hard for you. And that was it. And I found that perfect because they're acknowledging that it's hard and that they're sorry for my loss. And that just allowed me to essentially to say thank you. Whereas I think the natural approach... A lot of people t- took was similar with their so my loss but then they'd normally follow up with <laughs> how are you doing or are you doing okay so well of course not but the answer you're looking for is yes I'm okay Um, it doesn't actually feel to be honest how you're doing or if you're okay actually doesn't feel very um, freeing to be truthful <laughs> uh, with that so I thought that that to me was such a beautiful way of just acknowledging it and just being there but without having to try and fix it and yeah like of, of course you're not okay Overline think, it. yeah exactly yeah and that even when you've got you know something not as serious as uh, as a death but just someone who's struggling obviously struggling at work with stress or anxiety or who knows what in their home life just it's enough to say like it must be tough right now, or something like that, without having to try and, yeah, because it can be overwhelming to be asked, "Are you okay?" or "What do you need?" or well, "I don't know," because <laughs> you're putting you're putting that onto them to try and figure out how to fix it, rather than just as you've said already, just just sitting with it.
1: No, it's and and so I think almost on a daily basis when I do these empathy trainings, they ask me, um, what what can I say? And even yesterday when one of my closest friends says, hey, I'm going through a really rough day today. And the only answer I give is, I'm so sorry to hear that you're not alone. And if people say, what do I say at the funeral? I said, well, you can say that you don't have the words. You can honestly say, "I don't know what to say because that's basically it rather than falling into the trap of silver lining or saying, "Oh at least or um making it a little bit better because in and the powerful thing that I found in I've got many love languages um so i'm I'm very good with words, so writing cards or um, buying someone a a gift that really tapped into their needs. Um, but also how powerful is just when you don't know what to say, can I give you a hug? And that sounds ridiculous in a work environment, or it sounds a bit like, okay, can I do it? But whatever it is, if you have the social skill to express your empathy, to express your fundamental care, your basic care that you want the other person to feel better. And if they come into your office and say, Ed, I'm not sure, but things are not going well. You gave me this new job, but I feel like I'm failing you every time. That's a very brave and very daily, every club manager knows what it is when somebody comes into that. Then you only have to say i'm so sorry you're going through this and empathy is not emphasizing with the experience but it's focusing on emphasizing with the emotion the other person so you can honestly say i'm sorry you're so stressed about it i can see you're upset if i were in your shoes i would be upset too how can i help you or um, i'm here for you shall we go through it or um if you need my help what is it that i can take forward with you and so yesterday we had a session at a club and it was very informal leadership session and i asked everyone like what is your most recent moment of excellence so share me your proud moment that you were so proud you burst out of your pants and it's a very, it sounds an easy question, but they're all like, no, but uh, first of all, they why everything is difficult? And I said, no, 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 just one example. So they shared an example, but also after that, I asked them, when was a moment that you really doubted yourself? And the courageous stories you get, and someone said like, oh, I made a mistake with with the cash, or I made a mistake with... Uh, I forgot to make that booking and um, the moment we show up and share what's keeping us at night, instantly you saw and everyone, oh, thank God, there are also, you know, also mistakes and the relief. We, in a team, in a club, in any kind of business, we connect through our struggles, through our real messy selves or through our weaknesses. Because if you only spend time in a team or in a leadership environment about the successes, then we only create bigger egos. But we impress people with strengths, but that's driving this connection. But we find each other um, through realness. So unlocking more real and more human side of things in any kind of business, in the webinar just showing wanting to be there for somebody else that is the biggest gift you can actually give and it doesn't have to be perfect
0: nice well Monique thanks a nice place to end it and as you say just encouraging managers just to show up and not have to try and fix it I think that's a really powerful message for everyone to take away today just to just to be there for their team and it's okay not to have the answer and approach it with curiosity so Monique thank you for your time and all the work you do making the world more humane um, and feeling place
1: thank you Ed I really enjoyed the conversation thank you so much for having me
0: likewise thank you thank you for joining me on this journey as we dive into the world of club management I hope you enjoy listening to these conversations as much as I enjoy having them If you do enjoy and get value from them, I have two small requests. Simply subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast listening app and leave a review and share it directly with someone whom you think would benefit from listening. If you're interested in being a guest on this show yourself, then you can reach out to me using the details in the show notes or email me modernclubmanagement at pm.me. In the show notes, you will also find a link to my bi-weekly newsletter that complements these conversations, where you can sign up to receive these directly into your inbox so that you never miss out. Thanks for tuning in and have an amazing day. This episode is brought to you by Swader. Swader is the social learning platform that delivers high-quality blended learning with human connection. Sueda is on a mission to revolutionise the digital learning space through restoring the critical element of human engagement that has gotten lost in online learning. The technology provides everything organisations or individuals need on one single platform to achieve meaningful long-term learning success. Using these skills helped me attain a job offer as the Director of Golf at Golf Digest Top 100 in the World Ranked Course after I completed their Influence and Communication courses. But don't just take my word and the 97% five-star reviews it has had on Trustpilot for it. Try it yourself. All you have to do is email david at Sueda.com. That's S-U-A-D-A.com, and quote the Modern Club Management Podcast to claim your free enrolment onto the Reciprocity course to start your journey to become a more influential and persuasive communicator.